Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Saturday, and uh, if I said Happy Friday, I should have said Happy Saturday. Saturday, December the eighth, two thousand eighteen. Uh, last uh, Friday, yesterday, I uh, was invited to participate in a conversation on an international televised news program that's based in Tel Aviv. I twenty four News and uh, felt compelled to accept the invitation. So here I am today, but as the saying goes, better late than never. Um, I'm glad that you're joining me, uh, albeit on a different day than usual, uh, especially if you're listening to the podcast at some point. Uh, I hope this doesn't confuse you. But this program and my mission has been dedicated to enforcing um, support for our immigration laws and for the men and women of the various component agencies of the Department of Homeland Security who are charged with enforcing and administering our nation's laws and securing our borders because the nation's borders are its first and last line of defense against transnational criminals, against terrorists, against people who are enemy combatants and spies and pose a threat to the safety and well-being of the nation. That mission could not be more important. And in point of fact, it backs up the primary shared mission of our armed forces, their shared common mission to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, that important mission falls to the Department of Homeland Security, an agency created by the the, uh, administration of George W. Bush after the terror attacks of 9-11, And frustratingly, disappointingly, uh, I could use some other adjectives, it would appear that even after those terrorist attacks on that dreadful day, that the Bush administration was determined to seize an opportunity to downplay border security and immigration law enforcement because of a globalist agenda that has become all too um, apparent in both political parties. You know, we're hearing the lunacy from the lefties over at the Democratic Party. Uh, And I'm a registered Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat because they're no longer Democrats. The Democratic Party used to be the party that was the advocate for hardworking American men and women. For people like my dad, who was a tradesman, a plumber who worked on new construction, people who were union members and school teachers and postal workers. That is the base that the Democratic Party used to look out for. And the Republicans provided balance by being the party of the business owner. Both sides of the labor management equation have valid concerns and and desires and objectives and goals. And sometimes they get a little bit ahead of themselves and they go off the rails. So you needed that give and take of two parties representing management, representing labor, keeping the scales of justice, if you will, essentially balanced. It's when the Democrats jumped ship 
and knifed American workers and their families in the back that the wheels came off the wagon. You expect that the Republicans are going to look to do what they can to further the goals of the, of the businesses. And the goals of business, less regulation or no regulation, and the cheapest labor they can get their hands on. Well, immigration certainly provides an inexhaustible supply of exploitable labor. And there's no compassion in exploiting people. Let's be crystal clear. But the Democrats used to be the stalwart uh, party that said, no, you don't. In fact, Barbara Jordan, Democrat congresswoman from Texas in the 90s, wrote a report, an extensive report on immigration that came to be known as the Jordan Commission, named for the late, great Barbara Jordan, where she was crystal clear about immigration. This liberal Texan congresswoman, you would agree with everything she said, I bet. If you read the report, it was amazing, talking about how foreign workers drive down wages, make it easy to violate working conditions, displace Americans, the huge impact it has particularly on America's minority workers. Um, She was black. She gets it, or she got it. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us. That used to be the rallying cry for the Democrats. Don't you dare bring in foreign workers because you're destroying opportunities and wages for Americans. But suddenly the Pelosi's and the Schumer's of the world woke up one morning. Perhaps they were paid off. I don't know how to account for their betrayal of the Constitution, of the middle class, of America's working poor, and said, we're going to flood America with so many foreign workers, and boy, are we going to be happy, and, and the hell with the American worker, and the hell with American families the hell with national security, the hell with public safety. And let's not make distinctions between lawful immigrants who do what they're supposed to do to come here and honor our laws and our tradition of being a country of immigrants, as we are reminded so frequently today. But they refuse now to make the distinction between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens. It's a disservice, a huge disservice, an insult to lawful immigrants. Um, I was in, in the city in Manhattan, and for New Yorkers, the city means you're going from the outer boroughs to Manhattan. When you say I'm going to the city, even though the five boroughs constitute New York City, any New Yorker knows going to the city means going into Manhattan. And I, I was in the back of an Uber, and the gentleman who drove me told me he was a naturalized citizen from Guyana, and it filled him with rage, with absolute rage that there is no distinction being made between illegal aliens and lawful immigrants. And he told me what he went through to get his green card and then to become a United States citizen. And he said, my gosh, he said, now, if you listen to the Democrats, there's no difference. And if it was up to them, there would be no difference in the way they're treated. Why bother with citizenship? Why bother with a green card? Who needs it? Green card? We don't need no stinking green card. And this man was in a state of white fury over this, and I understood that. But the Republicans, on the other hand, won't build a wall because they want the status quo. They also know that they've got to create this magic act. And and so when you have time, please go to the social contract. I wrote an article, Sanctuary Country, Immigration Failures by Design. And you will see the deception that is being conducted against Americans by both parties. The only man that seems to be concerned about the issue and stands for American workers is Donald Trump. He's getting beat up like you wouldn't believe 
because he's standing with Americans. So by extension, my way of saying it is that anybody who's attacking Donald Trump is really attacking us, American workers, American families, our children, our grandchildren, the legacy and the country that we will one day leave them. The attack is not just on Trump. It's on us. Trump stands with us. He's after Trump because they want to destroy the opportunities for America and Americans. Ironically, they're looking to dismantle the American dream, even as we're being fed poisonous pablum about dreamers. Don't use the word alien unless you incorporate it in the word dreamers, because the A in dreamer, the A in dream act was alien, as in alien minors. And the media is vicious and hypocritical, and it is fake news, and I'm not happy to say it, but I've done so many television interviews and radio interviews and newspaper interviews, and it's so crystal clear, perfectly, abundantly clear, that most of what we're getting today is not about being politically correct. Please stop using that term, political correctness, folks. That is an awful, awful term because it's not true. There is nothing politically correct about the language that we are being forced or they're trying to force us to use. This is Orwellian. If you want to control the thoughts and understandings of a people, go after their language because human beings think with words. When you eliminate words, you eliminate the thoughts the words represent. The reason that alien is being expunged from the vernacular is because the term alien, as compared with immigrant, um, makes a clear distinction between those who have come temporarily and they're authorized as non-immigrant temporary visitors, lawful immigrants who can stay for as long as they live, provided they don't commit crimes that render them deportable, removable, and illegal aliens. They want to blur the distinctions. So on the one hand, we have numeric limitations as to how many immigrants we can legally admit every year. We wind up admitting roughly a million because we know that we can't flood America with too many workers without destroying the economy and opportunities for Americans. But then you have the illegals coming in, and they are far and above, uh, far and away beyond the lawful immigrant numbers. And the whole point to this is to make those limitations irrelevant, to make it irrelevant. This is the game being perpetrated on us by both political parties, because they both want the same thing. No borders, unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign tourists, and let's remember the immigration lawyers, and unlimited supply of clients for the immigration lawyers, and they're on both sides of the aisle. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Robert Goodlatte, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he will be gone in a month, thankfully. But on his way out, he's trying to give himself and his colleagues who practice immigration law a juicy, fat gift. He wants many more H-1B visas to be issued every year because before he was a member of Congress, he had a very successful and lucrative law practice that specialized in H-1B visas. And his son, Bobby Goodlatte, is an executive in the computer industry, made a ton of money working shoulder to shoulder with none other than Zuckerberg from Facebook. They both want open borders. They both want to displace every American computer programmer in the United States and give them half an opportunity. They will do it. They would love nothing better than to put every American programmer on the unemployment line. If they can bring in people from India, they pay lots less money, 
Indian workers have much lower expectations of any sort of fringe benefits, and it creates unlimited supply of clients for immigration lawyers. It's a win-win for them and a lose-lose for us. So it's both sides of the aisle when I hear this nonsense about the Democrats versus the Republicans and the conservative versus the liberals. We're getting whipsawed from every damn direction, and it's costing Americans their jobs. It's undermining national security. It undermines our economy. It's destroying the middle class. And the folks like Bob Goodlatte, they're going to do just fine if they get away with more of this nonsense. That's what's really going on. And we keep hearing, well, you know, the lies. It started in the beginning with, well, the illegals, the undocumented to do the work Americans won't do. What work was that? Well, gardening and um, landscaping and working in kitchens and restaurants. Folks, when I was growing up in Brooklyn, I worked in a restaurant. I worked in the kitchen. I bust tables and waited on tables, as did most of my friends. These aren't jobs that Americans won't do. It's jobs that Americans can't get because they won't take the substandard wages. This is, again, about exploitation. And then we were told, well, the immigrants never commit crime. They're they're nicer people than Americans because Americans are terrible. These are self-hating Americans that we're talking about. And so that was the other mythology. Well, let's look at the numbers. Lawful immigrants, people with green cards, lawfully admitted for permanent residence, tend to have lower crime rates than even American citizens. It's true. They don't want to lose that green card. Look what it costs them. Look at the money. Look at the time. Look at the effort. They're desperate to hang on to it. They behave themselves. They don't want to get bounced out of the United States and lose everything. Understandable. Illegal aliens have nothing to lose. The crime rate for illegal aliens is probably 10 times higher than it is for American citizens. But again, if you don't make the distinction between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens, and they say, well, the immigrants have a low crime rate. Yes, lawful immigrants have a very low crime rate. Illegal aliens, look out. And many people run our borders because they're fugitives from justice, because they're gang members, because they're coming to America to commit crimes, because they're coming to America because they don't want to be arrested in their home countries. And some of them are likely coming to America because they have affiliations with criminal or terrorist organizations. So understand that there's a good reason why somebody would evade the vetting process. And once here, in order to blend in, in order to develop a level of credibility so that people have this uh, unfortunate idea that they are trustworthy, Illegal aliens, first and foremost, need camouflage. Now, if you're a hunter, you put on clothing that matches the foliage of the forest, perhaps, whatever it is. Soldiers always wear camouflage, so it's harder for their enemies to see them, see the tanks, see the airplanes. If you look at the old World War II airplanes in particular, some of the color schemes were amazing. From the ground, if you looked up, Uh, The the airplane looked like the the sky, and if you were were above them, looking down on them, the the coloring of the airplane matched the forests below. This was, let's say, a fighter plane that was being used um, in in Germany or or, or over Germany, rather, over Europe. So the camouflage was designed to to blend in. Hunters go out there, and, and they sit in what's known as a blind, 
so that the ducks or, or, or the deer or whatever animal they're hunting can't see them easily. For a, ter- for a terrorist or a criminal, a change in identity provides camouflage. The 9-11 hijackers, all 19 in the aggregate, used more than 360 false names or variations of false names as a means of concealing their identities and their movement as they went about their deadly preparation. Well, guess what? It's easy to come by fake ID in the United States because there are millions and millions and millions of customers for fake ID. <clears throat> and this cottage industry of fake ID creation began in earnest with two things, the technology of desktop publishing back in the 80s and the Reagan administration passing the first amnesty program. Suddenly there was a huge demand for phony utility bills and rent receipts so aliens could claim that they came to the United States by a certain date so they would have the the fake bills and it's hard sometimes to determine if it's legitimate or not. And then the employers, when they were told we're going to you know, fine you for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. Suddenly the illegal aliens needed social security cards and alien registration cards and birth certificates and other documentation that would enable them to get employment in the United States by appearing to be lawfully entitled to work. So without an adequate number of ICE agents or back then INS agents, very few agents, um, basically the employer have to take a look at the documents and make a decision, is it legitimate? Now, what's interesting, if you look at the handbook, uh, I don't know, I know they've just changed it and haven't, I haven't looked at the latest version, but I can tell you that when I served as a network, an, an expert witness at a trial in Hawaii, everything hung on the fact that the employer that was being accused of knowingly hiring illegal aliens had no way of knowing. I, generally don't assist defense attorneys. This was the one time that I did because this particular farm had all the I-9s properly filled out. Every employee had an alien card or a birth certificate or other documentation to attest to their authority to work in the United States. Now, what most people don't realize is that if you spend too much time scrutinizing someone's documents, you could be accused of violating the person's civil rights by embarrassing them and sitting there with the jeweler's loop, scrutinizing the back of someone's green card. So you're supposed to look at the green card, even though you're not a question document examiner. That's a title you give to somebody who's a document expert. And you have to use your own judgment and make a good faith effort to make sure the document is legitimate. Now, E-Verify is a wonderful tool. It's not mandatory. You don't have to use it. But this particular farm did not use E-Verify, wound up with a bunch of fake green cards, and that's why they were being criminally charged, criminally charged with knowingly hiring. They were paying at least prevailing wage, if not more. They were putting up their workers in housing that um, kids going to college would love to have had. There was a physical fitness center, two swimming pools. Uh, there was absolutely no evidence of exploitation, which is usually why somebody normally hires illegal aliens. Um, I worked with the law firm. I was pleased that the two farm managers who were accused were ultimately acquitted of all charges. But they went through hell. It cost the farm a, a fortune in legal fees. But this is where we are with this issue about the employment of illegal aliens. And if I had thought that this farm 
uh, farm who uh, was knowingly hiring illegal aliens, I can assure you I would have done nothing to help them. But that's how vague everything is. Uh, you know, it's the old uh, joke that my boss used to tell, uh, Walter Connery, who used to be the chief of investigations in New York, always used to remind us you can indict a ham sandwich. We've got to be careful how we enforce the laws that we really serve justice, not just look for a scalp to hang on our belts. And so phony documents is a huge industry in the United States. I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, and I hope after you listen to my program that you'll go to frontpagemag.com, check out my article, Illegal Aliens and Dismantled Identity Theft Ring, and uh, the subtitle, The Uncounted Victims of Illegal Immigration. And it was, my article was based on a DOJ uh, news report or press release <clears throat> about a gang of 52 known document vendors who had been rounded up over a period of time and charged with, with stealing people's identities and cranking out fake ID where the names, dates of birth, and social security numbers all matched. Identity theft is not a violent crime, but it can turn its victim's life inside out and upside down. Think of the individual who's on um, disability. Perhaps he or she was badly injured, there's a health issue, they can't work, and suddenly someone steals their identity and the person that's collecting disability insurance because they are physically incapable of working, their social security number shows up and there's somebody working in a factory, Social Security comes along, they review that, and they say, well, this person is obviously committing fraud, and they cut off the money to the person on disability. And then when the checks stop and that person on disability can't pay the rent, can't buy food, and they start to complain bitterly, uh, think of what happens how, when, when they have to wait until hopefully the issue gets resolved. Meanwhile, they face the potential of eviction, the inability to pay medical bills, and so forth. Think of the person that wants to get a car loan or a mortgage or is applying for a job, and they do a credit check, and because of identity theft, their credit rating falls into the tank, and they can't get the job, they can't buy the house, they can't get the car that perhaps they need to be able to go to work. And that nightmare scenario, folks, is playing out Every single day, it involves millions of innocent victims. And while it's not only illegal aliens that seek to commit identity theft, there's other crooks out there looking to do identity theft so they can cash checks and, and empty out people's bank accounts and so forth, another nightmare scenario. By and large, the largest motivator to create false identities based on stolen identities is this massive influx of illegal aliens. And this is a crime that is directly related to illegal immigration, but I guarantee you that you're not going to hear about it on the 6 o'clock news. Nobody is going to make that connection for you. And no one is going to tell you that by creating this readily available infrastructure of document vendors, we make life simple for transnational criminals and drug trafficking organizations and international terrorists. The facilities are there. They just have to avail themselves the opportunity to go out and purchase a new ID. And they're off to the races. And yet another person winds up with a nightmare to deal with. And America 
has yet another bad person, another criminal, terrorist, whatever, fugitive, embedding himself or herself in a community in the United States. Not victimless crimes. Now, this dovetails perfectly with the phone call that I received yesterday from the producers at I-24 News. Um, There's a wonderful young lady who is an anchor there. I've been on the program many times with her, uh, Michelle McCory, and she wanted me to come in and talk about a story that had just broken. Two women who were working at the Bedminster golf course that Donald Trump owns stepped out of the shadows and said, guess what? I worked illegally at Donald Trump's golf course. One woman, apparently an illegal alien, the other one now has a green card, and there they are telling the whole world we were here illegally and we were working for Donald Trump. What a story. There are millions of people who work illegally in the United States because there is a lack of ICE agents. We have 6,000 immigration agents. More than half of the time, they are not doing immigration work but customs work or enforcing other laws that relate to the Treasury, relate to kiddie porn, relate to narcotics, have nothing to do with immigration. The C in ICE, let's not forget, is Immigration and Customs. The C is Customs Enforcement. Prior to the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, I call it the Department of Homeland Surrender, the Treasury Department was the agency that ran Customs. Customs is about duties and tariffs and contraband coming into the U.S. to prevent it. Immigration was under the Justice Department because it was about people coming into the United States. No similarity other than their border agencies. Once you get past the border, literally and figuratively, uh, you know, they're as divergent as they get. So with a lack of agents, without mandatory E-Verify, with easy access to phony ID and stolen identities, millions upon millions of illegal aliens are able to work the United States, which is exactly what Congress wants. It's exactly what the people who bribe them, like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, wants. It's exactly what the American Immigration Lawyers Association wants, because let's be honest, they'd be foolish not to want clients. You know, they used to talk about ambulance chasers. You don't hear about ambulance chasers anymore, probably because they're chasing coyotes, which is the street slang for alien smugglers. Why chase an ambulance when you have illegal aliens that you can take care of? This has become a major industry in the United States, a major industry with big bucks. And this is where we have gone. And as a consequence, America keeps on finding more and more foreign workers in the United States, taking the jobs of Americans, sending money out of the country to the tune of tens of billions of dollars a year. And Nancy Pelosi, who's coming in, by the way, is the new Speaker of the House yet again, and the sequels are generally much worse than the original. And if you thought she was bad before, look out, has been clear about it. No money for no wall. We don't want a wall. It's immoral. It won't work, and it's too expensive. I've got an article in the pipeline for Front Page Magazine. I, I think you'll like what I have to say about Miss Pelosi. But the point of the matter is, that with all those illegal aliens here and a ready supply of documents, it's not a shocker that illegal aliens might well be working for the president's golf course in, Bed- in Bedminster, New Jersey. But, but here's the problem. Why in the world, this is the question I raised on the air yesterday, why in the world would an illegal alien, one woman's got her green card, 
And someone really needs to go through her file with a fine-tooth comb to see if she committed fraud to get the green card because she had been here illegally previously. So I hope that ICE has a magnifying glass and a fine-tooth comb and going through every piece of paper and every comma and punctuation mark on her application because she apparently um, has no regard for the fact that she was fortunate to have a green card. She's complaining terribly that they didn't like Trump's statements about illegal immigration while they were here illegally. And the other woman is still an illegal alien. And according to the newspaper, New York Times major article, according to this article, she's applying for asylum and is married to an American. Well, if she's married to an American, she doesn't need asylum. I think she's hedging her bets. But there probably is more going on to this. And so here's the question. Why in the world would an illegal alien who is facing deportation, come forward and wave a flag and say, here I am, this is what I did, but I'm applying now. And what's remarkable, when you read the interview, she talked about how the president approached her because she was uh, washing his clothing and his family's clothing and taking care of their place there. And and he said, you know, you're you're a hard worker. Where are you from? She said Guatemala, and the statement was that he made to her, Guatemalans are hardworking people. And then he gave her a $100 tip. Sounds real nasty to me. I mean, who does the president think he is? This is, I guess, before he's the president. Who did Donald Trump think he was? He told her that she was hardworking, that people from her country were hardworking, and gave her a $100 tip. Yeah, that was very disrespectful. That was very disrespectful. And so now the anger is that he's equating illegal immigration with criminals. Well, you know what? So do I. Yes. People who come illegally the first time are not committing a criminal violation. Uh, It's not a felony. It's a misdemeanor. It's an administrative violation of law. But if you do it twice, if you've been removed and you come back, it is a felony. If you're committing identity theft, that's a felony. If you lie on your application for a job, that's a felony. Are they criminals? Well, whether they're arrested for the crimes or not, they are committing criminal acts that are felonies. So, yes, that's the harsh reality. People who come illegally are committing felonies. And the president was completely right in calling them out. As president of the United States, his responsibility is to look out for America and Americans. What a quaint thought, putting Americans first. And it's funny because during the campaign, when I was listening to Ted Cruz running around and saying he wanted to put America first, I said, baloney, put Americans first. Because his notion was that we need to bring in the world's best and brightest so that Americans can succeed. Well, there's a word for the world's best and brightest. Where I come from, we call them Americans. And I said that people should be holding up signs that say Americans first. And perhaps Donald Trump heard me or somebody on the campaign did. Because isn't that precisely what he has been hammering away at? And so this reporter at the New York Times said, here's a president who says that none of the people who work for me are illegal aliens. We're checking them all out. And here's two illegal aliens, and they're claiming there were others who were there. You know, it's kind of an absurdity. I really doubt that even before he became president, that Donald Trump, spent his days interviewing the chambermaids who worked at his resorts around the world. Um, He delegated that responsibility to others. 
And the women had said that two of his managers knew that they were illegals and covered for them. Maybe they bribed them. Maybe something went on between them and and those two managers. I have no idea what the story is. But if that's the case, then Donald Trump should figure out who it was that did this and have them fired. Maybe have ICE look to prosecute them. But, of course, the whole point to the story wasn't that two illegal aliens got a job. It's that they worked at the president's golf course. So once again, let's see this as an opportunity to attack President Trump. Because, I mean, isn't he the the favorite, pardon the um, use of language, the favorite pinata of the fake media? We're going to go out there and, and do a job on the president because somehow, you know, he, he's the bad guy. How dare he want to help American families be successful and American workers be successful? It's absolutely mind-boggling. And, and so when you realize what they're doing and why they're doing it, you understand that this is yet another opportunity to launch an attack against the president of the United States. He wants many more ICE agents. If we had the ICE agents, it would be far more difficult for employers to hire illegal aliens and for illegal aliens to get away with their violations of our laws. Why in the world do we only have 6,000 ICE agents, and why in the world did George W. Bush fold immigration law enforcement in with other responsibilities? These are all failures by design, foisted on America and Americans by both sides of the political aisle. Why do you think the Koch brothers are supporting the DACA aliens? Right next to George Soros, who's also supporting them. Folks, this is the perfect storm. That's actually what we're really dealing with. Um, and, And so it's just absolutely remarkable that the attack is being made that somehow, because there were two illegal aliens working in, on Donald Trump's golf course, uh, once again, you know, this is Donald's problem. But in reality, the, the article also included an interesting sentence. They said this, there is no evidence that Mr. Trump or the Trump Organization executives knew of their immigration status, meaning these two women. So what's the news report? that some underling at the bottom of the food chain in the Trump organization was crooked, maybe took money, maybe some other favors were exchanged, use your imagination. Who knows what happened? Is this Donald Trump that did this? Hardly. But again, the mission here is to attack the president at any and all costs. And um, the hypocrisy is wild. If they really want to go after hypocrisy, why aren't they doing the story about how Chuck Schumer in 2014 proposed legislation that would make trespassing on critical infrastructure or national landmarks a five-year felony, but at the same time says that when illegal aliens trespass on America, they've earned a pathway to United States citizenship. Now, that's a story. That's a, a story where you can actually connect the story directly to the person responsible, Chuck Schumer, okay? But you're not going to see that story in the New York Times because he's the hero of the New York Times. If you're not the hero, then the job of the newspapers these days is to engage in character assassination. Now, I'm not telling you that I agree with everything Donald Trump does or says. I don't. I don't even agree with all of my positions because over time, our understanding of issues evolves. 
But it infuriates me that the New York Times put so much ink into a story. This is a big, detailed story. This wasn't a five-liner. And all about how there were other illegal aliens there, and, and on and on and on. But again, you're talking about a massive resort. You're talking about how many people were involved in the hiring process. But they want to paint the picture that somehow this is Donald Trump's fault. And I suspect that when he sees the article, if he sees the article, he will make certain that whoever runs that resort will go after this thing and figure out who signed off on the employment of these aliens, and they're not long for that job. I, I certainly have no doubt about it. And that would be the right thing to do, and I hope he pursues these, these individuals who did this and maybe seeks criminal charges to be brought against them. But this is the madness we're seeing. There's another case, if you want to talk about madness, about a judge in New Jersey who knew that she had an illegal alien in her courtroom and apparently conspired with the defense attorney to let the guy out the back door. The guy was the subject of an ICE detainer, and there was an ICE agent in the courthouse waiting for this guy. Now, that happened to me years ago where a judge tried to convince convince me that I wasn't going to be allowed to take an illegal alien into custody in a courthouse I went back to my office. They called Maine Justice. This was back in the 70s, the late 70s, and Maine Justice came back and said that if anyone interfered with me taking this guy into custody, that the U.S. Marshals would take everybody involved into federal custody, including the judge if need be, and prosecute them criminally. What a different world it was back then. Today, if you help illegal aliens enter the country illegally, under federal law, that's a felony, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324. You're undermining public safety, national security, and the integrity of the immigration system. But for many of our politicians, particularly on the left, anybody who interferes is heroic. It's heroic to allow rapists loose in immigrant communities. It's heroic to allow drug dealers and child molesters loose into the community. That's their vision of what heroism is today. It doesn't matter that these people are violent, that they're likely to kill additional people or rape more children or do more damage. They are so driven to take down America's borders and they are willing to see carnage. They don't care. They truly don't care. Um, I think that this is about dismantling the United States. These are deconstructionalists. Forget progressive. Deconstructionalists. We know there's a serious problem with opiate addiction in the United States. We know that every gram of opium, every gram of uh, heroin, cocaine, much of the meth coming to the United States from China, it's coming into the United States from our borders, being brought here by foreign nationals. Sanctuary cities harbor and shield human traffickers, drug smugglers, gang members, and they do it with joy. And what do they do to exacerbate the problem? They legalize marijuana. Now, frankly, it's rare for someone who uses pot to go on to heroin. It does not happen frequently. But I can tell you that every heroin addict did start with marijuana. So this message that you're giving to young people that somehow marijuana is a good thing, and we know, by the way, from studies that were done, a few things. Number one, that when young people use marijuana, it can permanently damage their brain. Number two, we know that there have been an increase in accidents in those states where marijuana has become legalized, people driving under the influence of pot, 
but there's no reliable test to determine whether or not somebody has been smoking. So you have people driving on our highways who are bombed. They're incapable of driving safely. And we're seeing accidents and fatalities and injuries. But all we're hearing from the politicians is how much revenue they're going to be getting from the taxes because they're going to tax the pot. That's all that matters. Never mind the people who are injured. Never mind the people who are killed. Never mind the people who are permanently maimed. All that matters is how much money can we take in. They sound more like organized crime than political representatives in a, in a great free nation. This is not free enterprise. It's a perversion of free enterprise. Um, there's a part of me that's libertarian in my orientation. The government needs to let people live out the lives the way they want to live their lives, provided they don't hurt other people. Drugs hurt other people. Drugs destroy the lives of our children so that instead of bright futures, they have questionable or, or devastated futures. But the politicians don't care. They don't care when, they lay, when Americans lose their jobs to foreclosure because the Chamber of Commerce is thrilled because this is about flooding America with cheap, exploitable labor. There are no more principles in this country, folks. It's all about campaign contributions that are legalized bribes which is another source of problem for Donald Trump in their mind because he can't be bought. What the hell do you do with a politician who doesn't need your money? How can we cope with this guy? He's a maverick. He's independent because he doesn't need the money. We're stuck. He's going to do what he wants, and we can't yank his strings. That's the big fear for them about Donald Trump. They can't buy him, they can't bribe him, and he keeps his promises. Everything that he said he was going to do, he's trying to do. Now, this might be a shock for crooked politicians, forgive the redundancy. By the way, Washington's not a swamp, it's a cesspool. Swamps are natural, they're part of the, of the ecological system. Uh, cesspools are made by human beings, and there's nothing good to be found in a swamp. Now, politicians are used to lying through their teeth. I, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, of, of, the, of the two, which is worse, pimps or politicians. I, I, I kind of think, you know, maybe pimps are better because at least they leave some people smiling. Politicians rarely leave people smiling. Um, there's nothing worthwhile about what they're doing to this country in the broad terms. There are a few exceptions, but they're notable because they're so few. And telling lies is part and parcel of what they do, playing politics with everything the inference being that they get a lie through their teeth. Donald Trump came from an industry where that doesn't work. I know because my dad was part of that industry. He was a tradesman. He was a card-carrying union member of the Plumbers Union here in Brooklyn. He worked on buildings. He didn't do the repair work. He did construction. He worked on the World's Fair. I went with him and got to see the World's Fair in 1964 being built. I rode on the Skyride, the Swiss Skyride, which was a cable car, before it was even open to the public, as soon as it was certified as being safe, they allowed the, the construction workers and their families to get on the Swiss rides. And I, then I went on this thing with my dad. It was one of the most exciting days of my life back then. He worked on Kennedy Airport. He worked on all those buildings. And in the construction trades, a man's handshake was a man's bond. You didn't need a piece of paper. You shook hands. And if you said you were going to take care of something, it was taken care of. There was no nonsense. No job was too difficult, too backbreaking, too filthy, or too dangerous to get done. 
It just needed to get done. It's the same mindset that you see among the great men and women of America's armed forces, law enforcement, and first responders. You give us the, the challenge, and we'll meet the challenge and get the job done. Does that sound like any politician you know? I, I can't think of any, except Donald Trump, who came out of a construction industry where that's how business is conducted each and every day. You have to be a man of your word. What a horror show that is for the politicians, the Chuckies and the, and the um, Nancys and all those others who wouldn't know the truth if it bit them on the nose. And so this is why we have the problems that we have. We have judges who think it's cool to release criminals from custody so that ICE can't deport them. And by the way, the alien in question, and I plan to write about it, was a fugitive. He was wanted for drunk driving. He was wanted for possession of narcotics. And he had used multiple false names. They weren't even sure who he was on the day that they were going to have him in court. This is the guy you let go? This wasn't exactly a, a decent guy who did everything right except he came illegally. Um, and, and even then, the fact that he came illegally is enough that my belief is let him get in front of an immigration judge. But this guy was a walking crime wave. And this judge made a decision to release him out the back door before the ICE agent could grab him. So they said that he went out the back door, hopped the fence, and disappeared. Probably never to be seen again until he commits a crime, perhaps. Except in this case, according to the report, and I'm so happy to hear this, a grand jury is looking at the judge. And the grand jury should be looking at everybody involved who knew that this was going to happen, including from the way it looked in the paper, but I, you know, we have to see where this is, possibly even the prosecutor. Because apparently everybody knew what the plan was going to be because she turned off the recorder and spoke for 58 seconds with the recording device turned off, so no one even knows what the conversation was. But apparently um, it led to this guy escaping the courtroom. I would love to see that judge in orange. Because this is not what justice is about. Our laws are not a menu that we select when we like them. As an immigration agent, I took an oath of office that is virtually identical with the oath that's given to all law enforcement, all members of the armed forces, and members of Congress. You're supposed to uphold the Constitution of the United States. They don't say pick and choose the laws that you like or the sections of the Constitution you agree with. You either sign on for the full slate or don't bother. Now, I can understand maybe some people don't like some of the laws and have such strong feelings that they say, look, I, I, I can't possibly be fair. I, I can't possibly enforce the laws. That's fine. Not a problem. If someone doesn't like the sight of blood, I suggest they don't try to become a surgeon. If you have a problem with enforcing all laws across the board, don't go into law enforcement and don't be a judge. Don't be a judge because you have given your word. And in my world, being the son of my parents, my word means everything as their word meant everything to them. And my children have been raised the same way. I guess that rules them out of politics, doesn't it? In any event, to get back to the issue at hand, what needs to be understood is that America is being sold out by the very same people that we elected to represent us. 
the crimes are hurting Americans, whether it's identity theft, whether it's the gangs, whether it's the violence, whether it's the loss of the job, which leads to the loss of the house, which leads to a zero credit rating. So you have people losing their standing in the middle class through no fault of their own. This is where we are today. And Nancy Pelosi sanctimoniously stands there shaking her ugly head and saying that it's immoral to build a wall. It's immoral. Really? It's immoral to stop the flow of heroin and meth into the United States? It's immoral to stop fentanyl? And by the way, this is the other cute story. Donald Trump is trying to negotiate with China. And it's interesting that that executive was caught in Canada violating our sanctions against Iran, allegedly. And immediately, Wall Street was in a tizzy. Oh, my gosh, this is going to mess up the tariff talks. Never mind that this woman is undermining U.S. national security, if what they claim she did or she's alleged to have done, she actually did. Never mind that China is bombarding us with fentanyl and committing espionage against America and hacking our computers. What is wrong with the president messing with China and the tariffs? You know, sometimes we're put into a situation where you pay some now or pay more later. If we wind up in a, in a situation where we keep going down the wrong way on this one-way street that Congress and the bankers and Wall Street would have us go, undermining the middle class, figuring out the price of everything and knowing the value of nothing, that certainly seems to be the situation today, we are weakening this great nation. We're making it easy for our enemies to get their hands on nuclear weapons, uh, specifically Iran. And maybe that we won't suffer the consequences today or tomorrow, but within 10 years, it is likely that they will be able to create nuclear weapons, which is why Donald Trump pulled us out of that god-awful deal that Obama made with the Iranians. Simply saying, well, we'll, we'll be okay for 10 years is the blink of an eye. Think how quickly 10 years goes and realize what the implications are for our children and for their children a nuclear Iran with those lunatics, the country that sponsors more terrorism around the world than any other country. They are the principal sponsors of terrorism. You have China, an adversary of the United States, having their programmers trained in the United States, their engineers receiving their degrees in the United States, and then they go and hack our computers and commit espionage against America every day of the week. And if you dare suggest that we need to rein them in and we need to stop them and we need to deter their activities by <clears throat> engaging in tariffs and taking other measures to prove to China once and for all that we're serious about our sovereignty and serious about our national security and serious about the future of our nation and our citizens, and if you have an issue with it, then find out what's wrong with you. We keep getting into these problems, folks, because America is short-sighted. America is short-sighted because corporate executives can't see past their next earnings report, and our politicians can't see past the next election. It, was, it has been said that democracy is the least efficient way to run a country, but it's the best way yet devised. China doesn't worry about elections because they have leaders for life. 
So yes, they can really look long-term down the road. But really and truly, it's time that politicians look long-term down the road also. And at some point, some politicians need to stand up. It would be wonderful if all of them did and said, I'm going to do that which is in the best interest of America and Americans. And if my constituents don't understand the issue, even though I've tried to explain it to them, then if I lose the next election, so be it. You see, law enforcement officers and members of America's armed forces and first responders, firefighters, and so forth, go in harm's way every day. Every day that they get up and go on duty, they don't just risk losing their jobs, they risk losing their lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had politicians who would be as willing to put their careers on the line for the greater good? And you know, if these were real leaders, and most of them aren't leaders at all, most of them would be incapable of holding down a real job if they had to. They'd probably have a problem flipping hamburgers at the local joint. But wouldn't it be interesting if they could simply go to their constituents and make a compelling case based on truth and articulable facts about why they're taking the positions that they're taking and bring along their constituents by showing to them how their actions are in the best interests of all Americans in America. But that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing politicians going out there and vilifying the valiant members of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and the Border Patrol, turning them into villains. You have that knuckle-headed governor of New York, Cuomo, who has come to refer to ICE agents as thugs. Thugs. It's making life dangerous for the agents. Assaults on Immigration and Border Patrol agents have risen drastically because he runs his mouth and there isn't much brain attached to it, apparently, or much morality attached to it. It's also making it more difficult for those ICE agents to get people to cooperate with them and provide them with the intelligence they need so they can do the job to go after illegal immigration and with it, the drugs, the gangs, and the potential for terrorism. When you're the leader of the state, when you're the leader of the city, when you're a member of Congress and you run your mouth, those words have impact. Words have impact no matter where you are, but it's particularly true in politics where so much is at stake in this very dangerous era. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes giving you a a bit of a thought that has occurred to me as we talk about the impact of words. We as Americans need to stand together and not emphasize what makes us different, but what makes us most similar. Because at the end of the day, I don't care if you lean to the left, the right, or center. I don't care if you consider yourself liberal or conservative. If you're rational, that's all I ask for. If you're rational, then you want our military to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. If you're rational, you want the police to keep our streets safe and the drugs and gangs off our streets so that our kids can go to school safely, so that you can go shopping without fear of being knocked over the head. And we want to know that the schools educate our children. And if those kids are willing to study hard and work hard, they have a bright future in this country. That's what we all want. I don't know anybody who doesn't. And when you hear this nonsense about how somehow Latino voters want open borders, uh, that's a statement of insanity. 
I don't know any Latino who's hoping that his or her child gets recruited by MS-13. I don't know any Latino who is hoping that his or her child will wind up hooked on drugs or be the victim of violence by somebody who shouldn't be in the country or have to compete with foreign workers for a job in their own country. All Americans have those concerns if they're rational and reasonable and sensible. I don't have much use for the leaders of either political party. They are our problem. They're not the solution. Both sides of the aisle. If we're going to convince our fellow Americans to work together with us, stop the nasty talk. Stop the insulting language. Um, Many people who are Democrats, and the reason I'm a Democrat, I've been very clear about it, is I'm a labor guy. I helped carry my father off his job his last day of work, dying of lung cancer, in part because he smoked Chesterfield cigarettes, which were awful. But I suspect the bigger cause for his illness was the fact he'd worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War because he was desperate to contribute to the war effort. His brother was already in the Army Air Corps, and back then, because of the Sullivan brothers, if you want to read some uh, history worth reading, five brothers serving on the same Navy ship were killed the same day when that ship was sunk. Um, So after that, the ruling was that if you're the sole surviving male member of the family to carry the family name, you could not be admitted into the military. My dad was in that situation, so he worked in the shipyards. And when I saw his dedication to his job and to my mom and myself to support us, and I saw that dedication in all those other workers, um, I stand with them. I stand with Blue Collar America because they actually build something. They go to work and accomplish that which forms the spine, the backbone of America, whether it's building the roads or the buildings or servicing airplanes or doing all those so-called blue-collar jobs. uh, Those jobs are essential, and it takes just as much talent as some guy who has a master's degree who can figure out a tax return. Let's get serious around here. So I stand with Blue Collar America, even though my parents made sure I went to college. And I'm sure many other people who call themselves Democrats feel the same way that I do. And if you think that that makes me evil or stupid, well, you have a problem. I don't. We need to understand or develop at least a sense of empathy. Try to figure out what floats your neighbor's boat. Have a meaningful fair, balanced conversation, and let's try to see in our, and those people who disagree with us, possible recruits, people that we can work together with if we could only unify ourselves as Americans and live up to the national motto of E Pluribus Unum, out of many one. I thank you for joining me this evening. Uh, I, I hope that the information that I provide to you is helpful. And please, folks, get involved. You know, make that your New Year's resolution. The New Year's coming up real quickly. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Get involved. Make certain to reach out to your elected representatives. Have those conversations with your neighbors. And uh, as I like to write in my articles, we're either part of the solution or we're part of the problem. Please be part of the solution. Join my um, Uh, bucket brigade of truth as I like to call it and share the information in my articles with as many folks as you can have a great evening folks see you next week so long